Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Chernitsky. I am your host. We have a different episode today. We had a very busy day at church yesterday. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. And so Anna and I didn't get together to podcast, so it's just me, but I wanted to share all of those uh, speakers' uh, words from yesterday's service. So um, coming up, we have the uh, children's moment with Catherine Campbell because it's great. Uh, We have uh, a sermon from John McKinnon. And then we have words from uh, the Reverend Ed Johnson, the Reverend Robert Johnson, and also uh, John Robinson. So in that order, uh, coming to you next. Uh, Next week, Anna and I will be back together on a regular pod, and we hope you have an awesome week, and be safe, and we will talk to you next week. So God wants us to know what is true and right. So God has given us the Bible, and God has given us people to lead us. These people help us to learn and to follow Jesus, and they point us to the good news. So one of these people is a pastor. A pastor is a leader in church who helps others listen to and follow God. A pastor is a shepherd. And what do shepherds do? They lead and they take care of sheep. And so in a similar way, a pastor's job is to lead and care for the people of the church. So pastors and other church leaders like our elders, none of us are perfect, but we do do our best to follow Jesus and to serve and love God and to serve and love other people. So this morning we are celebrating our newest pastor, Pastor Patrick, and we're gonna be praying for him as well. He started at First Presbyterian just a little while ago, And so you might not know him very well, right? We're still getting to know him. So I thought we'd take this opportunity this morning to ask him a few questions. So Pastor Patrick, what's your favorite food? My favorite food is pizza. (sighs) Yeah, we like Pastor Patrick. Anyone else? Pizza, pizza? Yeah, I like pizza. Yeah. (laughs) Pastor Patrick, what's your favorite color? Orange. Ooh, does anyone else have orange as a favorite color? Yes. How about what's your favorite kind of ice cream? My favorite kind of ice cream is Turkey Hill Double Dunker, which, which, is, <laughs> which is made of mocha and chocolate ice cream swirled together, and it has gobs of cookie dough and Oreo in it. Sounds pretty good, right? All right, Pastor Patrick, what is your favorite kind of animal? My favorite animal is a hummingbird. All right, what's one of your favorite Bible verses? One of my favorite, I've got a lot of them, Pastor Catherine. I would hope. But one of my favorite verses is when God said to Paul, my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's a good one. All right, Pastor Patrick, when is your favorite time to read your Bible? My favorite time to read the I read the Bible a lot <laughs> throughout the day. But my favorite time to read the Bible is in the morning, right when I wake up with a cup of coffee nearby. And I uh, devote myself and, and, and see what God has for me that day through Scripture. Yeah. Anybody else? Bible with a cup of hot chocolate? Yeah? <laughs> And what do you enjoy about being a pastor? 
oh, I love keeping company with God, and I love keeping company with other people. Mm, that's, that's my good. favorite part. And then finally, how can we pray for you? Oh, pastors need as much prayer as anyone else does. So you can pray for this start that I've had at First Presbyterian. You can continue pray, praying that God will show up in the work that I do and the work that we do with one another. All right. So let us pray this morning. Dear God, thank you for this day. Dear God, thank you for this day. And for hearing us when we pray. And for hearing us when we pray. Thank you for Pastor Patrick. Thank you for Pastor Patrick. And for bringing him to us. And for bringing him to us. Teach us to be faith-filled friends. Teach us to be faith-filled friends. To learn that your love is without end. To learn that your love is without end. And all God's children said, Amen. I'll see you later. It's good to meet you. Good to meet you. Hi, y'all. <laughs> it's nice to be back, and, I, and there will probably be some tears. That's okay. I'm okay. I really am. But some of you jokers haven't moved in 13 years. You're still sitting in the exact same spots. And so it's just, and every face just, or many faces, some of you are, are new to me, which is wonderful to see the growth, but so many faces just trigger so many memories that just... Hope you'll forgive me. <laughs> it's somewhat overwhelming. And Patrick, I want to thank you for the honor of being asked to be here on this very special day in your life and in the life of First Presbyterian Church. Um, it is a joy to be back in this sanctuary. Um, you know, I left Newburn, um, but Newburn has never left me. Uh, I carry you with me uh, in every church I have served since and forever will. So I just thank you. Um, I cherish my time here. It is a joy for me to be back in the sanctuary. My father was a youth of this church and preached the first McKinnon sermon from this pulpit as a high school senior on Youth Sunday in 1958. He took the pressure off before I preached my ser first sermon here by saying, John, it doesn't matter what you do. I did so bad and was so nervous about going home to face your grandmother, I wrecked my best friend's car on the way. <laughs> Driving my mom's car today, so I hope that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> I first got to preach here as director of Camp Albemarle, uh, and then as a seminary student, and then, to much to my pleasant surprise, as your associate pastor uh, for the first five years of my ordained ministry, I'm about to make some of you feel old. My daughter Aiden, who began her academic career in the preschool uh, before graduating to become a Trent Park Tiger, is now 21 years old um, and is graduating from Eckerd College uh, this May. This church is such a huge part of the faith story <laughs> of the McKinnon, uh, McKinnon family. Um, and my connection with you continues today as Patrick becomes my second seminary classmate to hold the position that was once uh, my calling. Uh, so I, I told Anna that it seems like if there's a third, some sort of finder's fee should be involved. <laughs> um, <laughs> Patrick, the good news is First Presbyterian Newburn has a long track record of happy associates. Some of you will remember Bill Klein 
And when I was interviewing for the position here, I, I called Bill and asked him if he could tell me anything about First Presbyterian Church. <laughs> and I'll never forget what he said. Uh, he said, John, all I can say about First Presbyterian is I wish I never had to have left. And that sentiment is shared uh, by myself and, and by Whitney and, and I imagine all the associates that have been here. So Patrick, you have landed uh, in a very good congregation. Today is a sacred day uh, made even more holy by the formal joining of a pastor and a people. I think it was September 22nd, 2013, when Patrick, his family, and I were last together uh, on such a day as this at Coon Memorial in Barbersville, West Virginia. It was wonderful to meet Patrick in his office, my old office really, um, <clears throat> this past Friday and, and catch up on 13 years of life and uh, ministry. And as we began to fill in the gaps for each other, it became clear to me very quickly that I had never seen Patrick this happy. He has always had an easy and ready smile, but now there was just something that, uh, more than a smile on his face, there was a smile in his voice, in his entire presence. I asked him how it was going so far, and he answered with a beaming smile, I'm just having the best time. As we caught up and shared some of the ups and downs of our ministries at Coon and Beckley and then Tinkling Spring and Oklahoma City, as he told me of his passions, I began to see so clearly in his life what I have recognized in my own, how God uses every experience of life to prepare us for the next purpose for our life. We are not redeemed for privilege, we're redeemed for purpose. And God is continually equipping us for these daily purposes. That's what sanctification is. So God has been working on St. Patrick here his entire life to get him to this point. Preparing him for this time and this place. Preparing him for you. So we mark this day as holy. In the life of this church, this people in this place, in this pastor. On such a day as this, it is fitting to be reminded by Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus that you are not in this alone. You are all part of a body. Patrick, you, in addition to being an associate pastor of Christian education, spiritual formation, fellowship, pastor, my goodness, pastoral care, <laughs> In addition to all that, you are a bodybuilder. Now back in 2013, when we were in West Virginia, Saturday Night Live had a skit going, pumping up with Hans and Franz. <laughs> it was a spoof on Arnold Schwarzenegger and bodybuilders, and there was a catchphrase, we are here to <laughs> pump you up. You, Patrick, are now promoted to bodybuilder. You are here to pump up this congregation. In our passage this morning, Paul names the different kinds of leaders within the church. He then goes on to speak of their purpose and what they must do to try and fulfill their purpose. The goal is that all the members of the church should be fully equipped for their own discipleship. 
The word used for equipped here is the word used for mending nets in Mark's gospel and for correcting an offender until the person is fit to take a place within the fellowship of the church again in Galatians. The basic idea of the word is that of putting a thing into the condition in which it ought to be. Putting a thing into the condition in which it ought to be. It is the function of the different leaders of the church, elders and pastors, deacons if you have them alike, to see that the members of the church are educated, guided, cared for, in such a way that they become what they ought to be. Their goal is to build up the body of Christ. The work is always construction to build up, never destruction and tearing people down. The aim is that the members of a church should grow towards perfect unity, grow towards Christ-like perfection as the goal. Now, we will never arrive at that perfection in this life, but we can be mirrors for Christ. We can offer each other glimpses of God. We can be each other's angels right here and right now. The story is told in the 19th century during the Crimean War. Florence Nightingale was passing uh, one night down one of the hospital wards. She paused and bent over the bed of a severely wounded soldier. As she looked down, the wounded youth looked up at her and said, You are Christ to me. William Barclay writes that a saint has been defined as someone in whom Christ lives again. That is what being redeemed for a purpose does. It allows Christ to live on through your life. That is what is so important to understand, that your life, your redemption matters. Nobody else can do what God redeemed you to do except for you. So if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. We must each do our individual part in the fullness of Christ's body so that that body will once again be present in the world. So, Patrick, put on your Christian education sweats. Help build up the minds of this church. Put on your spiritual formation t-shirt and help build up their hearts. Teach them to not just know about God, to know God. Put on your fellowship sneakers. Teach them to dance with the Spirit as companion and friend. And bind it all together by building up their souls with compassionate pastoral care. You have been tra in training for this moment and for these people far longer than any of us realize. But if you can only accomplish one thing while you are here, I pray that it might be you help your congregation trust in their belovedness. That's where it begins. The bravest thing that we can do is trust that we are beloved 
by God. Sometimes it's hard to trust your belovedness. When the world turns dark, when all, with all the grains of sand on the beach, does God really know that I exist, much less am beloved? Can God really not only love, but dearly love somebody as flawed as me? I think in weak moments, when life has knocked the breath out of us, we are all left questioning sometimes our belovedness by God. With Gaza largely raised to the ground, with Ukraine fading from memory as winter moves in to continue the killing that Russia has started, and then all the other corners of our globe where human atrocity is all too real, but in forgotten places that don't make the evening news. Sometimes the bravest thing (laughs) we can do is keep on building up the body of Christ in protest to where our world now stands, remembering that we are beloved by our Creator and we are called to not just to love, but dearly love our brothers, our sisters, and ourselves. So Patrick, I would like to offer a poem by the Reverend Sarah R. Speed. Remember it as you build up this body with your companions in Christ. It's called The Bravest Thing We Can Do. Trust your belovedness. Let it be a protest, an act of resistance, a song of celebration. Trust your belovedness in a world that is rarely satisfied. Wear it like a badge of honor. Speak it as confidently as your last name. Tattoo it on your heart. When outside forces chip away at your sense of self, when life asks you to hand over the keys, remember the water of baptism. Remember creation. Remember how it was good. So very good. Then let that truth hum through your veins. Sing it so loud that it drowns out the weariness of the world. For the bravest thing we can ever do is trust that we belong here. Amen. Well, good morning, friends and family. My name is uh, Ed Johnson. I'm your stated clerk for our Presbytery, Presbytery of New Hope. Our Presbytery stretches from Mebane to the Outer Banks and covers 33 counties, 111 churches, three new worshiping communities, and uh, a myriad of validated ministries uh, in between. 
Patrick, I appreciate the opportunity to address the body today and be a part of your commission. I will call to your attention uh, this morning our prelude. The prelude for today was the Preludium in D major, composed by Dietrich Buxtehude. It opens with a 24-bar introduction with a random style almost that might even suggest that an organist, certainly not yours, <laughs> but that it um, is learning their instrument, working it out, if you will. As you listen closely, there's a four-voice fugue there on the subject which is repeated. It's a repeated note that prominently features a sustained passage in which Buxtehuda demonstrates a knowledge of complex harmony and the lively, you heard the toccata-like uh, section that's, that's interrupted by another sustained passage in which the piece concludes. This prelude and fugue, this phrase is commonly used to describe such works by Buxtehude. It's not entirely apt, for instead of a clear-cut division into two substantial movements of more or less equal length, there is a succession of relatively so short passages. And this strict fugal writing, alternating with sections of improvisational character, some of them are lively, some are harmonically straightforward, some are stately, and some are harmonically complex. Right now, many of you are asking yourselves, why in the world am I getting a lesson in music and composition? Yeah, I see lots of head nods. Well, I'm so glad you asked. I thought you were just going to bring greetings from the presbytery. Well, stay with me, friends. Yes, from the office of the presbytery, of New Hope, I do bring greetings to the newly installed or soon to be installed and ordained, as well as to you all. But I also bring words of encouragement to Ryan, to Anna, to the rest of the staff, to the soon-to-be-newly-ordained-or-installed session members and the current session members, as well as the committee members and the congregation. In the coming days and months, you will be figuring out your own composition. You will be figuring out key signatures and listening to various voices, the notes, and the places for rest or rests. 
the places for pause, the phrases of your composition, the harmony, the relationship of the prelude and the fugue, places for improvisation, places that may seem straightforward and places that will be challenging and complex, especially as you move through your ministry in response to God's call in and through Jesus Christ. So the encouragement that I bring to you that all this, this wonderful, beautiful morning is that you are not alone on your compositional journey. Your presbytery and its connectional members and staff are with you. So I'll leave you all with this. Lead a life worthy of your calling. Lead with humility. Lead with gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And may the peace of Christ be with you and sustain you in your days to come. Thank you all again for the opportunity to speak with you and to be in worship with you. Grace and peace be with you. We serve a God that is never early, never late, but always on time. And we Truly thank him for calling Patrick and these elders to serve this historic church for such a time as this. Let us pray. Our almighty Father in heaven, we come to you in the precious name of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to thank you for the call that you have placed upon these elders and Patrick to be your humble servants to the members of First Presbyterian of Newburgh. We bring Patrick and these elders to your altar of prayer. They come to you as an empty pitcher before your ever-flowing fountain of grace, mercy, love, and compassion. Look at Patrick and these elders with your all-seeing eye. Move them out of self and fill them with all of you so the members of First Church Newburn and the people of the community and beyond will see less of them and all of you. Lord, create in them a clean heart and renew your spirit in them so they may be the 
humble servants to your beloved members of First Church Newburn. Lord, consecrate them now to your service by the power of the Holy Spirit and refill them with your power to serve you and your people here for such an awesome time as this. Precious Lord, now take Patrick and these elders by their hand and lead them on into the path of this awesome ministry with Anna and the First Church family, Newburn. Let them know that they are never alone, that you promise never, never, ever to leave them alone. So in closing, I say to Patrick and these elders, go in peace and serve our Lord with all your heart, with all your soul. And remember that he's always with you. Amen. 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 And let the church say amen. amen. Patrick, you are a gift to this congregation. I have no doubt that many will find your ministry here not only encouraging, but soulful and enriching in their lives. But you want to pace yourself. Heard a lot of good things about you today. But it's easy to get stuck in this bubble that is the church. There's an impulse in the ministry to attend to every need, to go to every meeting, and to at least step into every class. In the original series, all Creatures Great and Small, one of my favorites. The character Siegfried, who's the senior vet, keeps telling James Harriet, the junior vet, thou must attend, no matter what the hour or the issue. And then one morning, James can hardly keep from going to sleep at the breakfast table, and Siegfried asks him, What's the matter, James? Didn't you get any sleep last night? And he says, no, sir. I had to attend three times in the middle of the night. And Siegfried says, well, you should have just hung up the phone and gone back to bed. <laughs> so I want to remind you that not every problem laid at your doorstep, no matter how well intended, needs your immediate attention. And yet we all have that difficulty of worrying about what we may have left undone. That's the issue in ministry. The trick is to be accessible, but not universally available. <laughs> you not only have to take time to prepare for worship and meetings and time with congregants, 
you should take time to care for yourself as well and grow as a person. Your call here is to serve the people of this congregation in Jesus' name and beyond. But you're not called to wear yourself out, though you most certainly will do that, I'm sure. The odds are stacked against us. <laughs> there are almost 800 members here, and there's only you and Anna and Catherine. It's a hard balance to find early in your call, especially in a multiple staff church, especially in a church where they've gone without an associate for a while. So you may have to elbow your way in to get your turf. <laughs> right now, everything here is new and exciting and promising for the future for you. But it can also be overwhelming, tempting one to step back and wait. Don't wait too long. So here's some practices that might help. Turn your phone off when you're busy. And let people know whether it is a good idea to leave a voice message or send a text or hang up and try back later. People will gradually figure out when and how is the best way to try to touch base with you. Find a place where you can be undisturbed, undisturbed, but reached when it's a real emergency. Gather about yourself people who can support you, people who can hear and keep confidences. Draw people into your circle who can be honest with you and lovingly tell you when you have stumbled. And when they bring you that news, listen. Find something to do outside of the church. Something that will make you take your mind off ministry and allow you to meet others outside the church. Pay attention to your marriage. Take your vacation every year without fail, where you and Karen can renew and relax. In the old days, ministers would take the whole month off of August, a whole month. I had a minister in in Northern Virginia, Bill Single, you may have heard that name. He was at the old Presbyterian meeting house for about 40 years. He told me one time, he said, those were the good old days. He said, you used to be able to take two weeks to unwind and forget about things, and then you'd have two weeks of vacation. So I asked him, I said, how did you fix that? And he says, well, I don't take August as my vacation anymore. I take September. <laughs> Because no one's around in August, and in September, everybody is getting everything set up and started, and I don't have to be there in the middle of it. <laughs> I know that you are a gifted and kind person. I also know that you are curious and engaging. Play to your strengths. 
Don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. God will lift you up as on wings of eagles. I brought with me something for you. This is a third century Coptic cross. It's from North Africa. It's a reminder that though the church has emerged in many, many forms, we still belong to this risen Lord. We still are all the church together. Now to the congregation. You have called a talented, energetic, and winsome pastor as your associate. Now comes the hard part. Figuring out how to make ministry mutual, both within the staff and in the congregation. Patrick will help you but he can't do it by himself. What you may have already noticed about Patrick is that he doesn't so much lead by putting himself out there as listening carefully and then offering suggestions. Don't be <coughs> fooled. Listen to what he offers. The nice thing about Patrick is that he will not overwhelm you with theological arcana or bore you with statistics. He is not like the man who when you ask him what time it is, he tells you how to build a clock. Though I suspect he could. <laughs> Patrick listens. What's also wonderful about Patrick is that he helps you learn how to listen as well. And he can be encouraging to you when you need it most. Wait for it. It will be there. And you will be grateful. So develop a sense of patience. Encourage him to say more. To explain what you don't understand. Ask him to say it again if you didn't get it the first time. He's a very nice person and he will gladly do that. But I have three reminders. Patrick is also a member of the presbytery. And Ed, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> he needs to be involved in the work of the presbytery as well as the work here, because he is a member of the presbytery. And he needs to give his time and service there as well. And should the opportunity arise, with the Synod and the General Assembly as well. Support him in that. What he learns in those experiences will support his ministry here as well. Secondly, one of the distinctive values of the Presbyterian Church is the emphasis on lifetime learning. 
I remember one of my professors in seminary coming up to me. I was in the bookstore and he bumps into me and he says, what are you looking at? And I said, well, this isn't one for one of my courses, but it's kind of interesting, it seems to me. And he says, good for you. All we're doing here is teaching you how to learn. We're not teaching you what you need to know. That will last a lifetime. So Patrick will need time away and resources to continue his expanding understanding of faith, the world, and how the two intersect with his calling. Be generous in making time and resources available to him. It is an investment in your own well-being. Thirdly, Patrick is human. With all deference to John, <laughs> I heard you call him a saint three times. <laughs> in the sense that we are all saints in the community of faith. Yes, Patrick is a saint. But he's not a saint in the sense of Hildegard of Bingen, though he will quote from her. He may be late for meetings, he may make mistakes. And he may forgive, forget that it drives you crazy when he leaves to the last minute to get things done. Though he may quote the saints, and he has certainly not volunteered to be a martyr, he's just a person. Cut him some slack. Don't expect perfection. You have already experienced his joy in this calling and his love for God and this church. I have no doubt that you will grow to love him also. I ask that God bless you all and God bless your ministry together. I have another gift, which I'm going, I'm going to give to, to Anna. Years ago, I was asked to contribute some stoles to a project where they were going to use those as the front cover of a magazine. Unfortunately, it never happened. I sent in a box of stoles. When it came back, it had this bonus stole in it. I have no, where, no idea where it came from. I have no idea who it belongs to. I tried diligently for five years to try to find out who it was. Finally, the photographer said, it's got to be yours because we've checked with everyone else. <laughs> I'm leaving it here with the church as a kind of mysterious connection that you have with all of God's churches. Um, and, and that stays here, where, no matter where you guys go, that stays here. And I hope you will find it a blessing and find meaning in it. Congratulations. Happy ministry together. May God go before you to lead you. May God go behind you to protect you. May God go beneath you to support you. May God go beside you to befriend you. And do not be afraid. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Alleluia. Amen. <laughs>